And good morning. Welcome to The Old School, a podcast about a slew of things, not least of which would be education, as we did last time with outdoor education. But we are also known to kind of go down a perhaps less predictable path of, say, sandwiches or Shakespeare or anything else that we can think of. Um, I'm Ross Miller, along with Dr. Stephen Bourgeois. Good morning, Dr. Bourgeois. Hello, Mr. M- Miller, I should say. I mispronounced your Miller, name. My name is Miller. Miller uh, yes. It sounds like a, a dark path you're talking about. Um, <laughs> leading somewhere we don't want even to go. But um, something you said was, was funny there, and I can't remember. Oh, you mentioned outdoor learning. We could call ourselves the Outdoor Learning Channel. What do you think? I don't think we have the qualifications to be either outdoor or learning at this point. We seem to talk about anything we damn well please. So maybe, um, maybe we could just run. I think. Well, I think if anything, uh, the the current spate and wave of uh, of uh, a podcast proves that you don't have to have much knowledge of anything to talk about it. That's for sure. And so, and Lord knows in general, social media kind of champions that bit of Americana. Um, Expertise be damned. Knowledge, facts be damned. Truth. Who needs it? Yeah. So we, we, we kind of affirm that every week with with whatever we address. (laughs) I like to think we have something because Lord knows I can speak on sandwiches. Lord knows I have the legitimacy to speak on sandwiches. And I might add also education, having been in education for 30 years and you more than that. I think you're in like 70 years you're in education. So not been at that, that long. I'm not even that old, brother. <laughs> Practically your age and you know it. <laughs> but so we certainly have credibility as far as that goes. Okay. Now whether the ability to be able to speak on education allows us to speak on all variations of education, I think what we do a good job of is that we simply, in the areas where we don't know a lot, we ask questions. That's right. And so I think it's fair. I think it's fair that if you don't know uh, the specifics, the details, the minutia of a, partic- of a particular topic, then questions are fair game. Okay. And then we just make up answers whatever we we feel like at that moment yeah and so well no we don't make up answers but we speculate right wildly based on not wildly (laughs) we we speculate educated guessing educated speculation okay we're two smart men damn right we are here miller (laughs) <laughs> what are we speculating about today? It's a hard word. Can you say that? Speculating about what are we speculating? About what are we speculating? Yes. About which we are speculating. Um, the question has to do with something that kind of goes maybe a bit of our purview. And I think some others would suggest that we have a perhaps a natural take on this topic. And that is the notion of homeschooling. Homeschooling? We've never even talked about that, even privately, I don't think. Well, then this should make for a pretty exhilarating conversation. That's right. I feel exhilarated right now. Let's let's do this. Well, the reason why it came up is because um, there was an article that came up in the um, uh, some South South Dakota paper, the um, the Kalo Capital News Bureau. Oh yeah. Um, 
And so they were writing about the fact that South Dakota's rates of homeschoolers has increased by 94%. Okay. Now, what the article does not talk about is the numbers behind that 94%. I mean, if five people were homeschooled last week or last year, and now it's 14, then you may get to 94%. But I mean, it, you know, so without the numbers, the actual numbers, it's a bit, it could be misleading. But one of the things that they mentioned in the article is where South Dakota ranks. Well, first of all, they, they kind of ranked South Dakota nationally. I think D.C. had a 108% uh, jump from last year. And then New York was followed, New York followed that 103%. And then there's a bunch of other states um, kind of falling behind, falls behind that. And with that was South Dakota. Now, the problem is, is that, first of all, when you think of homeschool, how, if you were pressed to define it, what do you, what would you say it was? It's a hard question. I'm, I'm, I still can't get my mind around South Dakota. Uh, they don't have a lot of people that live in the state to begin with. So we're talking about little numbers. Um, but if something is doubling, um, it, it definitely gets your attention. And clearly the the COVID experience had something to do with that, you, you would think. Um, but homeschooling it, itself, um, I, I think it's legal here. They're you know, meeting in, in, in all states, but um, parents have, have the right to do it, but they have to also show that there's some educational value in, in what they're doing. Um, many do it for religious reasons, others for safety. Um, but with the digital options now, it becomes more viable because a parent suddenly doesn't have to have any expertise. They can just manage the program and put them online with some pretty you know, good curricula. So the notion of simply a kid being at home, being subjected to either a parent who fancies themselves some sort of a teacher yeah. or uh, at least uh, someone who fancies themselves capable of downloading education programs that the kid can work through. That is what we think of. When we think of homeschool. Um, kind of. Um, but, uh, you know, the the big problem traditionally is is that you know the, the family may become isolated and there's not the socialization uh, which is a big part of, of of school from the you know from pre-kindergarten through high school uh, learning how to be in a group with others and and not be an idiot know how to handle yourself um, but i think you know homeschool groups have addressed that with events and co-ops and all kinds of things and, and even some homeschools uh, school families are allowed to have their kid in in athletics and and so forth connected to high school. So it's it's changed, I think, since the beginnings. I think you did. I think you did a good summary as far as why it happens. Mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned the uh, the safety issue, and you can look at the safety issue now in two ways. One, as kind of like a, a a kind of a reaction to school shootings and things of that nature there's some folks that just they don't fancy their kid being in in such a vulnerable position in their opinion right and then of course covid and covid kind of brought about all sorts of neurosis about um about being with other people being surrounded by germs or whatever the case may be but the notion that that too 
could uh, be a kind of a sacrifice to safety, and then some people withdrew their kids for that reason. I think the biggest reasons, at least traditionally, one has been religious, which you mentioned, and I think religion has become rather unsavorily intertwined with politics. And so both of those things, I think, are reasons why homeschool has grown the way, the way it does or way it has. Could you see yourself, I know you could do it, but would you ever want to homeschool I mean, your kids are all grown, but I mean, would you, would you have ever wanted to homeschool your kids? I think every day I ask them, um, shall we do this? And, uh, I got the same answer, kind of this laugh and no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> I, I, for a long time, I was just waiting to be asked, ready to go, because I, I think I would be really, really good at it. I'm, I'm, and, uh, we would read, uh, constantly. It would be, uh, we would take little field trips to the, museums and road trips and i'd bring in guest lectures like uh the esteemed mr miller to talk history um, yes and um it would all and and the, the part that i would be excited about is, is the efficiency because as you know there's a lot of time wasted in a traditional or any 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 school setting all of these transitions where they shuffle kids out and they um, so the actual learning time is, you know, a, a small slice of, of the school day and then magnif multiply that day after day, year after year. Uh, I think you could do your homeschool between eight and 12 and then have all kinds of other activities, you know, maybe joining clubs or tennis or some, some fun things, but maybe athletics, music, whatever it is. But academically, you, um, you could be much more efficient. Um, at home school and and I feel like I have knowledge across a lot of dis disciplines. I also have some weaknesses on the sciences um, that that I would fill in. It's kind of interesting. I think I think for someone like you and I, I think we automatically go to some sort of uh, nouveau version of of the academy and uh, they say you know just students sitting at the feet of the master and you know yeah reading yeah. reading complicated texts having these rather rhetorical exercises of uh of uh you know debate and argument and things of that nature and i think when we think of it we think of it perhaps as the chance to do something that represents the very beginnings of education and perhaps education in its purest form and for some reason every time i'd watch a movie where somebody because they're off the grid or they're they're hiding from the kgb or whatever and they're and they're growing they're raising their kid like in the mountains of, of finland or something like that the people that are always the 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 adults are always these in deeply ingrained philosophical minds that uh that know aristotle that know wittgenstein or something along those lines and, and you always have this kind of this kind of movie image of the homeschooled kid usually with the backdrop of some pretty horrific context, but you have this notion of these, these kids growing up, you know, having these amazing uh, senses of education. I think we can safely say that's not the majority. Wait a minute. You're, you're degrading the homeschool teacher now this early in our, our program. I'm not degrading it. I think at the very least it's open for questions. Now I will say 
and you know, and sometimes I'll have friends and even my lovely bride who will sometimes question me as to my support for uh, for people to be able to do homeschool or, or charter schools or whatever the case, whatever you want to do, you know. And they said that they would say they would they do say, you know, in, you know, shouldn't you support public schools? I said, I do support public schools. I pay taxes. I mean, I, I, I have my kids in public school. There's only, I cannot, I can't do anything more to support public schools than what I'm currently doing. But at the same time, if you were to ask a parent, say, in Washington, D.C., you know, Washington, D.C., and New York City, that was part of that, um, shoot, I should have looked this up beforehand, that documentary that talked about the lottery system where people got into charter schools. And I can't remember what the name of it was, but the, you know, when you, when you are a parent in a school system, it was waiting for Superman. Waiting for Superman. Well done. Good job. I've been paying attention. Uh, I saw it. Yeah. It was a long, long, long time ago, but you're absolutely right. It was, you know, people waiting on pins and needles to get this life changing nod to, to join the charter school. And it was, it was like this kind of gilded glove reaching down into the huddled masses, yanking kids up towards salvation, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, but the notion was, is that if you're in a, if you're a parent in a school system that clearly doesn't work, that's beset with problems that has all sorts of issues, then you, you should have a choice, you know? And I think this is one of the things, and you know, we we don't get political on this podcast because no, no, no. it's not interesting. But I think you know this this has become a political talking point. But you can't deny if you have a parent that's trying to raise their kids right, and they're within a school system that's not being run right. Why shouldn't they have a choice on how they, you know, where they send their kid? Homeschooling is where things get a little bit tricky because the person ideally who's doing the teaching is the parent. And the immediate question is, to what degree is the parent capable of teaching? So you're worried that they're going to spout out a lot of nonsense and, and act like experts but not really know what they're talking about. But I think those are parents who are more likely to use online materials and take advantage right. of resources. and. You know, I don't think any parent would intentionally give bad information to their their kids, so they couldn't be successful. They can raise a bunch of nutcases, and that the <laughs> impression of homeschool kids is they're very mature and they're good talking. They're comfortable talking with adults, um, and academically, you know, they 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 can be just off the charts, really, really smart. Um, and I think it's because of the interaction with the parent but also the efficiency of it and the the focus on text on reading um, because that you know, that is the nature of that whereas in a school setting um there's probably less reading going on i would argue than than in homeschool where that's you know the part of the foundation of what they do a lot more inefficiencies as you mentioned yes now, now I, I would not assume that a homeschool parent slash teacher is not, not capable of doing it. Right. Because I think you're right. I don't think anyone makes decisions hoping their kid just spins off into the gutter of adulthood and, and is not able to 
achieve anything. It will be interesting, though, societally, and also from kind of uh, the education, uh, education kind of institution, what will ultimately be the response to this? But I think you're right. I think you know. You look at I've I've talked to my share, many of my share of homeschooled kiddos, and you have a range of personalities. Sure. You have the nervous Nelly types. They don't seem to be able to engage with their fellow man very well. You have very confident individuals that have that have the ability to not only discuss things with adults and in an adult sort of way, but do so in a way that's respectful and, and courteous. And then you have the precocious kids who have some of those same characteristics, but have the additional quality of being annoying and presumptuous. You know, but but you run the gamut. And guess what? It's the same gamut that you have in public schools. There's no difference. Well, there are places um, where they um, essentially have vouchers and you know types of government money that you know state money that that support any choice, including homeschooling. And so there are places that are more advantageous to 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 do that because you're collecting funds for the education of your kids so you can use all these resources so i, I think you know that is is a policy issue as you said but some places are charter school friendly some are homeschool friendly imagine if you and i got together with say a, a math teacher and science teacher something like that so we we kind of have that's for me i know it does and um and went to a state that's that's paying a certain amount per student and so we'd find out where that tipping point was and maybe take in a dozen kids something like that so we could pay all the teachers and everybody would be happy um, what could we do how efficiently could we educate that group both one-on-one -on -one and in groups and interdisciplinary um, the potential is, is kind of intriguing because there are a lot of teachers out there who would probably take that deal if, if they could replicate their salary you're just talking about 12 kiddos? Well, maybe it's 20 kids, whatever the number is that, that allows the teachers to make whatever salary they need, um, but as low a ratio as possible. I think it'd be interesting as to what number represents a tipping point. Mm -hmm. For the advantages that we've talked about that homeschool potentially has, and that being primarily a lack of distractions and a kind of a emphasis on efficiency at what point how many kiddos begins to mess that up because at some point you have to then create a structure around the kiddos that you have you know and so if you're just talking about one-on-one -on -one, a parent and their kid or a parent and their kids like one-on-two or one-on-three if you are talking about a group of parents who maybe collectively have their kids come together to do you know, maybe shared activities, but at some point there is there is a tipping point, and I'm I is curious to think about at what point does the advantages of homeschool or the perceived advantages of homeschool run up against the perceived disadvantages of a public school? At what point do you have too many kids, and you start running into the exact same problems that you were kvetching about with regards to public schools? Start building classrooms and recess and uh, buses and all of that 
Um, it, it, lunches. <laughs> yeah, that's, it, it feels like about 10 to 12 students per teacher, but but maybe that's in combination with uh, good old-fashioned homeschooling, say that they, they work in the mornings with their families and they have this other type of interaction with, with teachers. Maybe it could be just a couple of teachers, but it's not that different from the university model school where they may have, um, you know, two days on a campus. And so they have all kinds of activities and, and regular school, but also sports and whatever else that's socialized. And then the, the parents have a curriculum that they're not making that it's actually presented to them and they're leading them through that. And it's coordinated, you know, by the teachers. Um, so it's sort of a blended idea of part homeschooling, part um, in-person at a school. And it, it also smacks of things that we have seen before. You talk about the German school system, you know, or the Finnish school system that you in particular have spent a lot of time studying about, especially in comparison to the German system, the American system. And it's funny when you talk about when you talk about qualities of education as it relates to other places, you know, sometimes you get this you get this reaction go, you know, something along the lines of, you know, we ain't in Germany. This is America. We you know and I, I get it. I get it. We're in America. I understand. But I am saying, and I certainly do not assume that everything that comes from Europe is somehow better. You know, we have a certain, we have a certain annoying group of people in this country that think that, but, but that doesn't suggest that nothing is better over there. And I think the notion of, I think one of the advantages that homeschooling has is the ability to create this kind of a schedule. That's a little bit, um, it's a little bit less time consuming, mainly because you're being more efficient from eight to 12, you know, and it, it, we see it within, you know, the German system, although, you know, the German system, you, know, you talk about a large school. I mean, they, they run into the same problems that an American public school runs into, but they figure it out. They, they have a system by which they, they're able to achieve as much as possible within that short amount of time. So the average kid probably goes home at 12 or one o'clock in the afternoon. So as far as like an advantage goes, I think that that could be potentially another advantage. Besides socialization issues, what else do you see as a potential disadvantage to homeschooling? Well, the potential. Yeah, I mean the just just knowing that the students are learning what they need to. I, I think that a lot of homeschool parents do take you know, have their student take national tests, you know, the NAEP test, the NWA, something to let them know, you know, are they on track? So that, but I think assessment might be a a weakness having a, I mean, there's, there's a vibrant uh, elective program in, in most traditional high schools and, and you have marching band, which is a big deal, you know, or, or football or theater, all these um, special areas that that it might allow that that child to catch fire, and and that's what gets them up in the morning, you know, to go to that. And so, it my impression is that the homeschooling would be more academic focused, and and those other areas are really what captures the kids' interest. So the arts lose out. Probably, I mean, they're they're so well developed in in many of our you know our schools. You know, they they really are a good training ground, but, but they also 
get kids involved and, and and teach them so many things so many virtues that they don't get in the classroom they, they get to struggle and push through things and teamwork all the things that may not be addressed say in a typical homeschooling model it'd be interesting to know just what is the breakdown of how, of how assessments are done in uh homeschool because if you take the advantages of being out of a school system and you couple that with the worst parts of a school system in some cases standardized testing how does that play out but what else is there that people will do i i can't imagine that there's not a whole array of methodologies that are employed uh to assess homeschool kids it it seems and I know why they do the standardized test, because they still have to do the standardized test to get into universities. They still have to do standardized tests to get various accreditations and things of that nature. So I get why they go that route, at least sometimes. But, you know, what you hope is not happening. And I think that it's not by uh, by law that it can happen. I don't, I don't know how it works, but the notion of no, you know, testing whatsoever, no assessments. You know, Oregon's got this thing, the Oregon Education uh, Association just uh, uh, just passed a, a, passed a law or basically extended a law that came out of COVID where there would be no graduation requirements. No that testing. doesn't seem to be the end. I'll no, say again? No testing requirements for graduation. No testing requirements for graduation. And that doesn't seem to be an answer either. You know, I think you know, in the past, you and I have talked about the notion that standardized testing is not the, the 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 panacea that people seem to think it is. And I think sometimes people will assume, oh, you don't want anything. No, I don't want not anything. And there has to be some way of measuring. I'm just saying there's a better way of measuring than the standardized tests. And Oregon has just basically gone ahead of that and just said, we're going to do, do away with everything. I'll be interested to see how many people start moving out of Oregon? You know, you think about, you know, questions about getting their kids set up for colleges or universities or wherever after school. It'll be interesting to see what the impact would be. But, um, but I would imagine that that with homeschools there has to be something in place. I wonder what the breakdown is. But here's the best part: because of the small nature of it, you could have the very best kind of assessment. Imagine if you were only required to assess three people in German, something that you happen to know a fair deal about. How would you assess at the end of the year three students on their growth in German? Well, it would be so much easier to do it, you know, with an oral interview, which is really, in, in fact, that's one of the ways that we test ESL students, you know, to see what types of services they needed, you know, and, and it's it's not completely efficient, but it's accurate. Uh, and so you have the the most important part, which is you know, parts which are listening and speaking, and um, but you would have the time to do that. And and I, I think that the methodology of of testing would actually affect the methodology of how they are how they learn because you may spend more time focusing on you know communication as opposed to more passive skills like like reading and doing grammar do you think that if you were given the ideal situation that 
in your mind, reading and grammar does not reign as does not loom as large as the ability to speak. Well, that's a that's a whole other program, but I, I think that we often teach those uh, skills too early and and at the expense of, of comprehension. I mean, we, so there's a more natural approach where just like you learn your first language, you know, you're you're not taking uh, tests on conjugation of, of verbs. You're just listening and, and speaking and understanding and doing things with the language. Um, but I, I think you know, from a home school school standpoint, yes, assessment could be more authentic. It could be ongoing, and but but having these maybe national benchmarks, you know, could be helpful for college. Those are becoming less important. I mean, a lot of universities are waiving the SAT requirement. Um, something like the PSAT, which you know you, you can take that at really early grades. Also, it just gives you a an idea of, of where you are, but it's more of an instructional tool, saying, okay, we we need some help on math. And here are the the objectives that we're missing. So it's more of a informative tool as opposed to you, you don't pass this, you don't play, you don't um, graduate. I must admit, of all the things that are associated with homeschooling, I think the notion of what you could do assessment-wise wouldn't be for me the most exciting. Just as just just uh, as it relates to you know how you authentically assess somebody is through their knowledge, rather than the the, the rather pale male type of um, uh, you know selection of questions that you might do on a standard you know multiple choice question test. You know? And so I think that is fascinating to me. I think anytime you have less students than more students, I think I think possibilities are endless. Now, that's not to suggest that possibilities are limited in a big classroom, but there certainly are. They certainly look different in a large classroom because that, because I'm sure you have. I've had classes of over 40 people where I had kids sitting on the floor, or people sitting on the back cabinet or something along those lines. I mean, we've had the worst of the situation. And then because of our shared experience in, in a, in a rather novel idea, we've also had what we thought was the ideal situation of having fewer kids within a classroom, you know? And so, I mean, we, we've seen both sides of the equation within a kind of a standard school building. And so I think that that's probably the most fascinating thing for me is to consider what you could do. Um, now the university thing, you're talking about how universities are starting to waive, um, you know, testing and what have you, I think they're partly doing that because other schools are doing it. And so they're losing students because students would rather go to a school where you don't have to take an entrance exam as opposed to one where you do. I think, I think universities are not going to have long term. I don't think they're going to have the influence over what happens to homeschools the way some of the, some of the uh, people opposed to them thought they would earlier. Because I think universities are coming under increasing attack as to their value, as to their necessity, as far as their uh, their purpose. I think a lot of people, and of course, you know, when you have some of the shenanigans you have, you have on college campuses, you also have people wanting to stay away from that, just like they're wanting to stay away from public school. And so, you know, I, I it, it'll be interesting to see what the dynamics are between homeschooling and universities and how those arguments are made going forward. The the statistics you you read at the, at the beginning, uh, I mean that's just one. It's really not even a pattern. It's just a change. But right. but but if 
you know, so we assume that that's a, a pattern and it isn't necessarily, but it could be. I mean, it's a dramatic shift from year to year. Um, but I would think that we're in a perfect storm for, you know, because of the technology for homeschools to become more prominent and, and particularly with AI. And we haven't talked about that in a while, but it, it's getting to the point where you have this tutor, you know, where you, you can you type in prompts and get information and, and it's going to become more and more interactive where in, instead of just being a receptacle of knowledge where that chatbot gives you, you know, the historical content that you're looking for, it could also be, you know, taking the role of asking really good questions and then giving feedback and um, um, having conversations. And, and it's even the technology has gotten to the point where it can be speaking. So everything that we used to be typing can be spoken and you'll probably have an avatar looking at you. So the the potential for homeschool based on the technology, based on the, as you said, the violence potentially in school, parents are, you know, just that alone, but then the, the tools that are available, uh, I think you're going to get a, a transformation. And I would guess it'll be in the direction of what's happening in, in, in South Dakota, and it's going to, you know, accelerate. I think, yeah, and it is fascinating for as much as public schools think that technology is going to save them uh, because they do their damnedest to make sure it's in every facet of a high school life, at least, you know, in our, my experience. It's interesting that technology and particularly the dreaded and feared AI could create a decentralization that wipes it out completely, you know. You know, long term, I'm not talking about anything that's going to happen within a generation, but you could definitely see where advances in this kind of technology could make irrelevant, you know, the kind of structure that we currently have or that we predominantly have. And so I don't, I don't know whether that's a good thing or not. I know I don't have to worry about it. And I'm going to be dead in a few years anyway. So I mean, it doesn't oh, matter, God, but you're going to last a lot longer than that. Uh, but to to drive the aids I have are going to last longer oh. than I do. I think <laughs> terrible. But but to drive the point home a little more to beat this horse, um, you could program a you know a, a chat bot, and this is going to happen. And not, I mean, talking twenty years, we're talking about months. This, I mean, the rate of change is so much faster than we could even imagine. But you could say, I, I want my teacher this week to be um, Socrates. Marshall McLuhan. It doesn't matter. Yeah, because they, you can look at the knowledge base and the types of things that Marshall McLuhan or Socrates or Neil Postman um, yeah. would ask and and engage in a real conversation. And then and then, but hopefully, reading doesn't go away. You know, through this. I mean, that's still one of our things. But imagine the power of reading, having a guide, a parent that keeps you on track. But then these potential tutors that are that can do in some ways so much more than um, any any teacher could because of the breadth of, of knowledge. And I, and I don't like this idea, by the way, but I think it's going to happen. I'm reminded of, I'm a Star Trek fan, not a Star Wars fan. And there's a very distinct difference. If you're, you're a, ask a Star Wars. You're I'm a Trekkie. Tre well, Trekkie is a, a, an attempt to try to minimize. Live long uh, and prosper, dear Miller. I don't say that to people. I don't wear fake ears. None, none of that stuff. But I'm a Star Trek fan. It's a, it's a pity. And I wanted to think. <laughs> um, 
but in like the later incarnations of Star Trek, you know, the ships had what were called holodecks. And then the holodecks are ran by these computers. And there was a couple of times within, for example, the next generation, uh, which came out in the 1990s, where like someone would go in and say, I need to talk to somebody who's an expert in this. And they would bring up Marshall McLuhan or Aristotle or. So it's a visual hologram of them. Yeah. With completely digital. Okay. Completely digital. And it's basically the same as having this. this uh paragon of knowledge and and logic and what have you teaching you as if you were back in ancient greece you know at the foot footsteps of the academy you know and on one on one hand it's kind of titillating to think about the notion of being able to create something like that but i think you're right i think i think it also more so it perhaps gives us a sense of dread about how we could screw that up and Lord knows we have an infinite capacity as human beings to screw up something. Oh. And so I think, um, you know, the thing that could help bolster homeschool and perhaps revolutionize what it means to go get educated. And the same thing that which could potentially decentralize schools altogether. Uh, it, it's, it's not a huge leap to think about these things. We always take things to their extreme, you know, relatively quickly. But, but uh, as I said a minute ago, these these changes are upon us. Uh, yes. And and recall the idea of virtual environments and people with headsets. I mean, they can go to Greece. You know, they're going to yeah. be able to have this full full experience. And um, we we I think what we do in our role from this podcast and our writings and whatever else is to to push back on it and say, put the brakes on, wait a minute, think it through. Because think about what you lose doing that. Well, I think sometimes when we talk to people and we talk about these rather, uh, to them, rather fantastical kind of conclusions, I think they think we're getting carried away. And I would suggest you're not thinking enough. I mean, if if you sit there, you're not asking yourself these questions. And that's what we have talked about before is kind of like the premise of all of our discussions with regards to technology. What is its usage? What problem is it fixing? What problems do they cause? I, you know, I love it when people say, well, no one could, no one could have known it was going to end this way. Yeah. I think a lot of people could have known it was going to end this way. You just didn't want to listen to them because you were so heady with the notion of getting something into the schools or getting something in, into place that you just didn't want to entertain. The possibility that would have negative effects, and so, so to me, yeah, it comes it comes back to the kind of the questions that we ask ourselves. You know, what happens to homeschool? I don't know, but I just I don't I can't work up the animosity against it the way some folks can, and you know because I just like you, I've met too many kiddos that weren't morons that came out of a homeschool environment. I mean, it's and I would suggest that the rate of morons is probably just as much if not a little bit less than you might come out of a public school so i don't know that's a that's a glowing endorsement here miller (laughs) (laughs) we just don't want so many morons um samuel beckett says you know do better fail better you know and you just do better you know and and that's what that's where education finds itself right now you know 
I remember, uh, I know I talked about this. I, I had a conversation, an argument with a teacher, and she found out that I was of a particular political persuasion of a more conservative nature. And she said, uh, and she, you know, she, she talked about the fact that, you know, that we're ruining education. I said, I think it's already on its way. I, I don't think any one group is responsible for it, but it's on its way. <laughs> Schools need to fix themselves. And, uh, or not, if they don't, then you're just going to have more homeschooling, more charter schools, more options, you know, and, you know, and I love the articles where people talk about how charter schools are this less effective, you know, as if that same rate does not actually appear in public schools, you know, it's the same, it's the same, same stuff. Well, and charter schools are, we've used the word efficient. Uh, they're incredibly efficient if you look about them at the amount of money they spend per student and the achievement that they create. I mean, it's 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 really impressive what they're doing with less resources. So it's um, definitely a, a serious contender in this in this conversation. And you can't say you can't bring up as an example that we're wrong by bringing up some sort of some sort of sociopath that just, you know, just does something for the money and doesn't put any money into the actual school. And it's a, it's a scam or whatever the case may be. I say you can find that in any kind of setup. And so, you know, it's not like, it's not like government is a paragon of virtue or, <laughs> you know, it's not like they're doing everything right. And so I, I think some of these kind of arguments against charter and against homeschools are a bit specious and I, and I don't buy it. I don't either. And I want to hear from that teacher. Uh, who said that you personally have ruined education? That was worthy <laughs> of, of my interest. God bless her. She was a hell of a lady, but um, we had a we had a tough afternoon that afternoon over over some drinks, some adult beverages, and it wasn't wow. good. So, but all things should eventually be hashed out over some adult beverages in a nice place and. I agree. It's very yeah. dignified. It's a very dignified way of solving your problems. Yeah, people need to be able to talk with each other and disagree on anything, and that, that's just part of the pageantry. But but we don't want to be in our little silos. That's gotten us in this problem to begin with. Indeed. Well, with that, the horse thoroughly beaten, uh, long since dead. Uh, we wrap up our uh, short discussion on homeschooling. With no promise that we won't come back to smack that horse around a little bit more in the future. You never we know. Could, we could do a two uh, just like we did with sandwiches, but this time yeah. <laughs> homeschooling part two, what's left of it? Here's what we do. Yeah. We get a homeschool teacher on the podcast. <laughs> sure. <laughs> right after the elementary. They're not teachers. They're teacher. called parents here, Miller. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what we do. We get a homeschool teacher and then we, and then that's the next episode. Not like the next next episode. We'll put something in between. We'll okay. go some different directions. You go find one. What's yeah. that? Just go find one. Share the link. She'll come on here. She. Why do we say she? It could be a he. You said she. I didn't say she. Well, you were talking about she is the one who accused you of ruining education. So I, I got to. Well, yeah, that particular teacher, yes, was a she. Okay, so I want a male homeschool teacher. That's that's what we need. All right, I'll get on it. Thank you. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so with that, we shall say adieu, Herr Dr. Bourgeois. Auf Wiedersehen, Herr Miller.